Welcome back, everybody, to the Indiscriminate News Network. I hope everybody's doing okay. We're going to jump into news out of China. So the China Foreign Ministry has hit out of U.S. and its allies claiming that evidence, their evidence of a spree worldwide cyber attacks came from China is inconclusive and slamming Washington for snooping on its partners. Speaking on Tuesday, a daily press conference, Foreign Ministry Xia Laijian said that Beijing would not accept accusations of worldwide hacks linked to an earlier breach of Microsoft had anything to do with China. The spokesperson claimed that attacks in cyberspace are incredibly hard to trace and there must be complete evidence before one country makes incriminating accusations against another government. That means, uh, yeah, they probably did do it. <laughs> and you know what? Yes, what? Washington is definitely spying on, the, on China, too. The so-called technical details released by the U.S. Can, uh, cannot constitute a complete chain of evidence, he stated. Uh, Zhao claimed that the U.S. is a threat not only to China's allies, but Western countries calling uh, it calls partners. Saying reports from year, earlier this year that spokesperson highlighted how U.S. supposedly downplayed its use of a Danish intelligence agency to monitor European leaders but blast China on false charges. On Monday, the U.K., U.S., Canada, and the EU accused China of the Ministry of State Security hosting a global cyber hacking campaign linked with an earlier attack to Microsoft. The cyber attack on Microsoft Exchange Server by Chinese state-backed groups was a reckless but familiar pattern of, of behavior, British Foreign Secretary Dominic Robb said in statement. Microsoft announced that a cyber breach had compromised tens of thousands of computers in the world in March. The tech giant claim, uh, blamed a group of assessed-to-be state-sponsored operating out of China. On Monday, Norway also blamed China for a March attack on its parliament email system. Oslo called on Beijing to do more to prevent such attacks from happening. Yeah, they're doing it on purpose. But everybody's spying on everybody else, too. Fraud on the farm. How a baby-faced CEO termed a Farmville clone into a massive Ponzi scheme. Farm Bank let players make money while supporting real farms. Then the CEO vanished with $80 million. On November 21, uh, sorry, November 21st, 2019, 25-year-old Recep Atas stepped onto bank, uh, shooting range in Istanbul suburb. He fired several rounds at the target before suddenly aiming the weapon directly against his heart and pulling the trigger. A single shot killed himself. The next day, Atas' father told local media his son was depressed. A large bank account, bank loan loomed over him. The money Atas had borrowed evaporated after he invested it in FarmBank, a smartphone app to the once popular Facebook game FarmVille. But unlike FarmVille, FarmBank had real-world twist. Launch in 2016, FarmBank was built as a way for players to win as they play and have fun as they win, encouraged them to invest in what they thought was actual livestock and agricultural land. I think on the face, that sounds pretty pretty like a pretty good deal spurred on by friends and relatives who claim to have received returns on their investments thousands of people rushed to put their money in farm bank in actuality farm bank was a smartphone based pyramid scheme at first user pays real money for upkeep of virtual chickens sheep, bees and cattles earning cash back in the game by keeping animals alive players were also given a small cut of profits for bringing in new players riding on high riding high and good publicity farm bank soon went one step further launching real life farms a local religious leader, a district governor, and a local mayor attended one of Farm's opening ceremonies in 2017. The fanfare surrounding these grand openings were a little more than PR stunts. <clears throat> the few animals on display weren't actually being raised with Farm Bank investor money, but all spoke to just how an influential game had become. Advertisements for the game featured stars such as the famous TV actor Mehep Sivik and depicted expensive farms with actual livestock. Farmbank went on to weave a complicated meta-business model. 2000 saved him. The company began setting up Delhi franchise across Turkey. Franchise paid Farmbank about $30,000 to
to open so shops that sold sausage, cheese, butter, and honey and other goods and blazoned with the Farm Bank logo, suggesting that the produce had come from the company's livestock. It did not. Man, this went deep, this guy. He put a lot of effort into, like, the scam. Meanwhile, Farm Bank players received 95% of their earnings in cash and 5% 5 5 of vouchers. They could use a purchase item from the delis. Interesting. The companies would then pay the deli owners 20% of profit on the items players bought with the vouchers. More than 100 Farm Bank delis popped throughout Turkey. In the midst of this apparent success of the app's founder, the 26-year-old Mehmet Aydin approached a freelance software programmer and the, uh, to work on developing Farmbank at the time, Yuri Dakul couldn't have guessed where to, the job would take him across the Atlantic Ocean several times and ultimately to prison. In March 2018, a year, a year after he joined the company, the Farmbank House of Cards collapsed. News broke that Aiden fled the country with loads of cash from his investors. In less than two years running the company, the company had collected around $250 million from Farmbank users. Uh, I had made upwards of $80.5 80, $80. million, which he took with him to South Africa. These reports captured the elusive, direct, driving fast cars, living in luxury. At the height of Farm Bank's popularity, more than half a million players of the game, 132,000 who invested money. Like a toss, many of them end up losing money what they invested. Wow, that's crazy. What a scheme this guy ran. Um, Asia apparel industry is threatened by rising sea levels. Large swaths of apparel-producing areas in Asia will be underwater by 2030, analysis released on Friday, which overlaid maps of rising sea levels onto factory locations, show th uh, threatening thousands of suppliers and submersion unless they re relocate to higher ground. The analyst was produced by two Cornell researchers as part of a commission by the International Labor Organization, warns that the problem of rising sea levels has received little attention from those leading sustainability effort in the sector. Interesting. I wonder what prompted the two Cornell researchers to go out there and write that paper and go right after those apparel companies. Rapid increases in sea levels rise and the heat will affect many of Asia's apparel workers directly receive little attention. Authors Jason Judd and J. Uh, J. Lowell Jackson of Cornell Research Center and the New Conversations Project Row appears. Some of the apparel production represents centers representing a significant percentage of the current output will not escape the projected acceleration of the climate crisis. Something to look at with, with, with something like that is how long is, have they, those companies been there at those locations and uh, how much the water has actually been going up. I would love to look at this a little bit further. I may put a pin in this. We're worried that the threat is real. More, more factors are growing, going greener. Still, our factors could go underwater. Shadilla Azem, Vice President of Bangladesh Garment Manufacturers Exporters, has said of the findings. So, some motivations be... I don't know what their motivations are, but if I was a company who built factories, I would definitely pay these guys who probably had a history of saying that the water is going to rise up and wash you away, which I'm not saying it won't, but uh, I would pay these guys to make a study on this and then give it to them and say, hey, by the way, we know we know somebody who could help you build this new building. That's just the way I kind of look at it. Maybe it's a little twisted, but that's how I look at it. Almost 2.7 million signed petition for $2,000 monthly stimulus checks. Where did I sign up? Man, I didn't get the signature. <laughs> I didn't get to sign it. 
It's ridiculous. Uh, let's see here. The federal government has already sent out three rounds of direct relief to low and middle income um, income houses since the start of pandemic. An online petition created last year that calls on Congress to deliver 2,000 monthly stimulus payments until the end of the coronavirus pandemic continues to draw support and is close to hitting 3 million signatures. The Change.org petition developed by Colorado resident Stephanie Bonin directly addresses the House and Senate, pushing lawmakers to craft a bill to provide $2,000 payments for adults and 1000 for kids until the pandemic subsides. The petition garnered more than 2.65 million signatures and less than 400,000 away from reaching its overall goal. Our country is still deeply struggling. Uh, she's not wrong. Uh, the recovery hasn't reached many Americans. The true unemployment rate for low-wage workers is estimated about 20%, and many people face large debts. Last year, for things like utilities, rent, child care, there's a lot of reasons uh, that checks need to be targeted to people who are still struggling. Millions of Americans remain unemployed, and the jobless rate stands at about 5.9%, super high in June, a figure that almost doubled before it was in the pandemic. Despite small economic gains and unemployment, decreases congressional democrats and some americans are advocating for four stimulus check reoccurring checks to economic conditions okay all right everybody thanks for listening to the indiscriminate news network i'm your host jason a Clare. i hope everybody's doing well take care bye